Hey, it's Mark Tui in for Rush Mean Air today. It is time for our Smart Speakers segment. Joining us are Matt Gurney, journalist and co-founder of The Line, an online magazine. Tamara Cherry is founder of Pickup Communications in author of The Trauma Beat, a great book. And Aaron Morrison is longtime political strategist and now principal at Morrison Communications. Let's start with this one, fresh off the uh, news from City Hall, where city staff are recommending that city councillors get more money. Well, not for their pay, but in this case, there was a question put to city staff, and city staff have recommended back to council that they be allowed to spend up to $2,000 to set up home security systems and 100 bucks a month for a security monitoring subscription. I just Googled security monitoring cost in Toronto and found rates from 10 to 30 bucks a month. I have no idea what it would cost, but Matt Gurney, to me, I get that city councillors are often the, you know, have received threats in the past. I'm not sure that any were acted upon, but uh, this kind of seems like a little bit of largesse at the same time. I'm not going to nickel and dime someone over their family's security. A uh, hundred bucks a month seems high for me as well, just based on what I own. I pay for my own security uh, system, but I don't know like if that covers monitoring, if that covers more cameras or anything like that. I, I confess I'm I'm not clear on the plans, but honestly, like I spend, I, I'm just I don't even remember because it's part of a bundle I have. But it's probably about fifty bucks a month for my own security plan. I'm not, you know what? There's a lot of things City Council does that piss me off, but I'm not going to nickel and dime them over fifty bucks a month to keep their family safe. I guess. We we could talk about it more, but I'm not sure I'd ever come around to saying much more than that. Aaron uh, Morrison, uh, what's your take on this? Yeah, I'm not going to argue against it. I have worked for politicians who are women. I've worked for politicians who are people of color. And the hate is real. Threats of violence are frequent. They're often accompanied by like really exceptionally disturbing sexism and racism. And I mean, we all know of the disturbing incident, oh, it was probably about a year and a half ago now, where uh, an unwanted person was on the premier's lawn. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with Matt on this. I'm not going to nickel and dime city councillors when it comes to their safety and their family's safety. Um, and I think, you know, 100 bucks probably is a little bit high, but they probably have to submit receipts. They're probably just not getting 100 bucks cash for this. I hope not. Uh, Tamara Cherry, one of the other things that uh, this has done what it always does, it's got the councillors talking about how much more money they need for other things. So in addition to potentially money for security systems, a couple of councillors have uh, pointed out, well, we have to pay for Zoom licenses, uh, and that should come out of it. So our office budget should be increased for that. And also, a lot of them are using apparently MailChimp to send newsletters to their constituents. That costs money. Even though they already get a newsletter budget, one would think yeah. you just take it out of that. And I would think that you're spending less money on MailChimp. I don't have a MailChimp subscription, but I would think that that would cost you less money to take out the those um, digital or what are they called, newsletters, than actually going to a printer and printing them out and going and handing them out. I'm assuming that they're saving money. So I don't know why they need any more money for that. I don't know why they would need more money for something like Zoom, because again, I'm assuming that they're saving on costs of an Uber to go to a meeting. Um, I think I pay 99. I don't know, maybe it's $199 a year for my Zoom subscription. So whatever. Uh, but back to the uh, security system, I just got to say, I agree, not only agree with everything that my two brilliant panelists have already said, but I'd like to add that this could also signal 
a more um, welcoming and validating, validating environment for people who might be considering politics but are turned off of it because of all the craziness that is out there on social media. And I'll just add in really quickly, I would love for newsrooms to also consider this sort of thing hmm. for their uh, journalists because they are they are faced with the same sorts of attacks, some of them brought on by provocation by politicians themselves. Yeah, I had a case uh, when I uh, was at The Sun where one of our journalists uh, had threats against her life because of a story that uh, she had put together, but it, it, none of it was her idea. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a very real uh, concern there. Matt Gurney, uh, Pierre Poiliev is uh, threatening to uh, be the Grinch who stole Christmas for parliamentarians uh, because uh, he would like the government to take the carbon tax uh, off of farmers and families, etc., much like they did for home heating oil users in uh, Canada, mostly in Atlantic Canada. But he's threatening to move a whole bunch of procedural motions to prevent the government from parliament from getting its uh, the government from passing its uh, budget essentially bill its mini budget bill uh, following the uh, fall economic statement unless they somehow uh, reduce uh, and remove that tax because his attempt to move something through senate didn't work anyway blah 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 is anybody going to care if our mps have to work through the night through christmas all and I, I don't mean that in the sense of and therefore pierre polyev is brilliant but like i my entire job is talking about politics and it is taking every fiber of my being to maintain my give a crap levels these days like we're moving <laughs> into december it's time to stop talking about this if pierre polyev thinks inconveniencing 300 some odd people is going to be some stunt that's going to get a lot of attention he's wrong because it, it like i am literally paid the more i pay attention to this and i'm not paying any attention if i don't have to right now anyone who's going to be paying attention to this already knows who they're voting for if pierre polyev wants to piss off a few hundred of the people he has to spend like much of his life inside of a room with that's his business but it is not going to move any votes and anyone who would think it's a good idea and pays enough attention is voting for him already Aaron Morrison, I agree with Pierre Poilievre on the on the carbon tax on home heating, and uh, I agree that this is an elegant little cute procedural trick. But I also agree with Matt Gurney that I don't think the average Canadian is going to care. I'm not sure this is a big win that Poilievre thinks it might be. Yeah, I agree. Us political nerds, we love these cute little procedural tricks. I mean, sure, figure it out. Um, ultimately, though, it, you have to look at the cost of this. And what Pierre Polyev is holding up right now, granted, not great, not solutions, but what he is holding up are things like going after the greedy grocery CEOs and more money for housing. So honestly, in the name of his Axe the Tax brand, he has now blocked or attempted to block aid for Ukraine and housing funding. So like, this this like i'm i'm here to fix housing i'm i'm in it for the everyday person that routine really falls apart for me when he pulls stuff like this he he has literally tabled 20,000 amendments on an 11 page bill uh because he's stomping his feet and throwing a tantrum about i mean ultimately something that's going to get passed anyway 
it's a stunt and all he's doing is in the end holding up housing funding so i don't see the benefit to this tamara cherry how is this playing in saskatchewan where i think uh you know a little bit of uh, relief on the carbon tax would help farmers would help families people facing high heating uh, bills in you know canada's is life is uh is different in saskatchewan compared to ottawa Oh, for sure. And I mean, a lot of Pierre Poilievre's base can be found in the rural communities in Saskatchewan. It was certainly something that was being talked about on the uh, talk radio programs this morning. Uh, Farmers obviously aren't going to be happy about this, but... As a Saskatchewanian coming at you from Regina, Saskatchewan, I will say that um, I know, I mean, you and Aaron, Mark, are obviously using some political lingo and calling this a cute stunt. There's a difference between cute and childish in my mind. And all I see when I see this is something that is very childish um, and he, it's not the way that you deal with things. Take it to the polls, Pierre. Take it to the polls. I think he'd love to take it to the polls. I don't think. <laughs> he will, but not on the Christmas break or holiday break. Sorry. It's ridiculous. Uh, and fair enough. And I, I just, like I, as I said, I like the car, I, I like his position on the carbon tax for that particular purpose. But I, I do think this is just a little bit of the problem that is going to get uh, Pierre Poiliev hoist on his own petard uh, if they don't uh, be careful. you got to keep it eye level for, for the average person. And I'm not sure how political hijinks in Ottawa help anybody anywhere in the country. Uh, there you go. They just make me sad. They're just, oh, just, well, we don't want a sad Matt Gurney. That is we want an angry Matt Gurney. Gur- no, That's you don't want that either. Um, <laughs> I just, I need to figure out other settings. That binary is not working. Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll talk about the uh, person of the year coming up next. And lo and behold, for one more year in a row, they started doing this in 1927, Time Magazine. And not once, not once have they ever picked me as the person of the year, or in fairness, any of my other panelists here on Smart Speakers. We'll return with Matt Gurney, Tamara Cherry, and Aaron Morrison with that story, and you've got to stick with that. Also, why is the Toronto Public Library advertising on my timeline? My name is Mark Tui, in for Rush Minaire, on The Rush. This is News Talk 1010. No cannibals here, but we do have smart speakers. Aaron Morrison, Tamara Cherry, and Matt Gurney are with us, uh, breaking down some of the more interesting stories of the day. Let's start with uh, this one. Cyber attacks are likely to happen, inevitably, apparently, during Canada's next federal election, according to a report today from Canada's sort of signals intelligence, electronic spy agency, the people who listen to things, a communication security establishment reporting that just over a quarter of all election campaigns worldwide in 2022 had at least one incident of a cyber threat activity, an increase from 10% in 2015. So, uh, ooh, that sounds very scary. Tamara Cherry, you're a journalist. Uh, Is this something that you think like, what, what's your sense? Are we prepared for this? Is it going to be a problem or is it just kind of an inevitability? At least we're starting to talk about potentially being prepared for it because um, this is, I mean, this is one of the only times that I, I feel like um, our spy agency has come out proactively and said something like this when obviously it's been happening for a while. Are we prepared for it? Overall, no. I mean, when we're talking about deep fakes on the internet, uh, we can talk about federal election campaign interference, but it goes so much further than that as well. I mean, it it is everywhere and it doesn't wait for an election to be called. I'm sure that there is a lot of interference happening right now in swaying people's decisions as to whether they're going left or whether they're going right um, based on 
you know, the, the candidates du jour. Um, and I think that this just emphasizes the importance of why we need to be teaching this stuff, you know, recognizing deep fakes, um, media literacy, all of that stuff um, in our schools, like to our kids and to adults. Like this is, this is honest to God, I think like the biggest threat to humanity right now is um, like social media and the spreading of disinformation. So this is not surprising. It doesn't scare me in terms of, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's happening. But it, it absolutely scares me in terms of um, the threats to our democracy, uh, not just here in Canada, but right around the world. Matt Gurney, is there something we could actually do to stop this or to minimize it? Or is it just basically a community, like this is going to happen, learn to recognize it? I mean, both. Um, I think we, we have to start thinking in terms of failure modes because I don't think we're going to dodge this. The problem with cyber stuff in particular is that governments are slow and cumbersome and nerds are very fast. And in any race between the government's nerds and the uh, the nerds of either hostile states or even criminal groups and hacker groups, they're going to be more nimble. They're going to be fast. And it's going to be up to us to pick up the pieces here. I, I agree with everything uh, said a moment ago. This is a massive threat to uh, civilization. We've only really begun to explore uh, deep fakes, fake videos, fake uh, voice samples. They're getting better and they're getting cheaper all the time. And I don't think we've really even begun to grapple with that yet. When we look around at what we figured out recently after the pandemic, the convoy, uh, Chinese electoral interference allegations, Indian assassination allegations, nothing we've seen in any of these scenarios has given me much confidence that we're on the ball when it comes to slow emerging threats. I'm really nervous about how fast we, uh, how well we would do in a fast emerging scenario or fast emerging emergency. Aaron Morrison, you were a political strategist uh, and so we're, this report talks about foreign sort of external threats using cyber attacks on campaigns in our democracy. But how tempting will it be for political campaigns to use some of this new technology, AIs, deepfakes, uh, to try to mislead or, or make their opponents look bad? Oh, good question. I don't think it's the campaigns proper. There's too much scrutiny on what actually comes out of each war room. It's more the surrogates, right? The, um, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but you know, these sort of groups that pop up on social media that sort of have nondescript names and it looks like it's sort of just a neighborhood group. And then all of a sudden, once they have a lot of followers, they are pumping out like really heavy political content. Um, so I think the risk of that is very high. Um, and I think that, I mean, I, I think that the risk of cyber election interference is very real. We know that there was some form of election interference in the last two federal election campaigns. We know that NCCOP, the federal committee made up of MPs who have been uh, given security clearance, have been read in on that evidence and they can't talk about it, but they all agree that there's evidence. Um, so, I mean, we have to do something about this. And I agree with both Matt and Tamara, look at us all agreeing here, that <laughs> this can be... This this can be handled, one, by, you know, CSIS and the federal government doing its job uh, and trying to tackle this at the source. But this can also be handled through a robust press corps and media literacy. Uh, we need to teach people now as much as we can that when you see, you know, something that looks a little far fetched, uh, it's, it's probably it's probably not real. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I think the scary part is when you think it's not far-fetched, because it leans into what you're already expecting somebody to mm-hmm. say if you don't like them, and that might be the hardest ones to beat. Uh, I was corrected over the break by our fact-checking research department who pointed out that I did, in fact, uh, get named Person of the Year by Time Magazine in 2006. We uh, all did. Yo, don't, <laughs> spoil the, don't spoil the glow, Matt Gurney. Yes, it, you... Everybody who does some form of content, apparently, was named then. It's kind of like my Nobel Peace Prize from 1988. I'll let you look that up. I never got to hold it or touch it or kiss it or do anything with it. But Taylor Swift is Time's Person of the Year uh, this year. She is, I think, the first artist uh, to be named as Person of the Year. Let's uh, start with uh, Matt Gurney, because you're the only non-woman other than me on the panel. Uh, Is this a good choice? It's a great choice. Um, and I, I think I know one Taylor Swift song. Uh, I have completely missed the boat on all the Taylor Swift stuff. My 11-year-old loves her. That's basically the extent of my Taylor Swift knowledge. But like, what the hell, hell else were we going to pick? Like a politician, a war, a, a disaster, a crisis? Give it to the lady who's selling out concerts, for the love of God. Let's all read that article, be very happy that she's won this and that people are enjoying her music. Like, and let, let's embrace that glow at this time of the year. A lot of the stuff we had this year was bad. Taylor Swift packing concert venues is good. Tamara. Matt, I love this new you. This is like I feel like you're practicing self care right before our eyes. I, this I'm is self care. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I go on the radio for all my mental health care needs. Yeah, right. <laughs> Aaron Morrison, is this just proof that uh, Taylor Swift is more than just an artist, more than just a singer? She is an economic phenomenon for sure. Yeah, I think that's exactly what this proves. She she is not winning for her uh, and like apologies to all the Swifties, but I don't think that she is winning because of her songwriting prowess. I think that she is winning because she is like a one woman economic booster. She is doing for local economies with her eras tour. Uh, what, you know, <laughs> like economic development teams can only dream of. Uh, it's really incredible. I, I don't I don't know that I think that this is totally the right choice, um, but I do think it reflects where we are, uh, you know, as a population right now, where things have been hard. It's been a rough <laughs> few years. And uh, I think... I think I'm on the same page as Matt. For the love of goodness, just let us let us like have some music and light and sparkle for a few minutes. Aaron Morrison, thank you. I think she was agreeing that I would have been a better choice. Tamara Cherry, Matt Gurney, our <laughs> smart speakers uh, panel this afternoon. And Taylor Swift is not the first woman to be Time's Person of the Year. If you know who was, text me at 71010, and there's absolutely nothing in it for you. Uh, but I'll tell the rest of you when the rush returns.